Okay, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Old Head. I'm just going to jump right into it today. Today, I'm going to tell you a couple stories, both stories about first shows. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's uh, get in the Wayback Machine and travel back to 1993. So I was 15 years old and I was pretty much into everything heavy that was out at that point. I was really into thrash metal and the big four. I was really into a lot of the grunge that was happening, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, things like that. I was also getting into death metal at that point. Pretty much, if it was loud and aggressive, uh, I was probably listening to it and loving everything that was coming my way. It was a great time for music, in my opinion. Um, And then in 1993, an album was released that was pretty much like nothing that I had heard at that point, and I totally fell in love with it, and that album was called Undertow, and it was the debut album from the band Tool, as if you all don't already fucking know that. But yeah, in case you didn't, that was Tool's first album, and it was a big deal to me. I got it on cassette, and I just played the fuck out of it. It just checked off all the boxes for me at that point. It was it, it's it still to me holds up as a really great album. And um soon after that and uh, I I'm not sure exactly when the announcement was made, but there was an announcement that Tool was going on tour to promote this album and they would be coming to my hometown of Austin, Texas. And at this point, I had never been to a concert before. I'm not sure if I had been to see friends bands play or anything, if I did, it was probably in a garage and I, you know, I I don't, I don't know. I don't really remember, but I had never been to a full on concert before. And I have always been a very nervous, anxious, and cautious person. I, I, I was when I was 15 and I am today. And all I know is you would see all this footage on television of these big-ass, crazy metal shows where the pits are just out of control and people are flying everywhere. Everyone's getting kicked in the head and and everyone just looks so aggressive. And, and honestly, it made me very nervous. And at that point, it actually didn't really matter because my parents, well, mostly my dad, I think, really didn't like the idea of me going to rock shows. So I had just didn't have the chance to experience all of these things that were making me so nervous. Um, and then, like I said, uh, the Tool show was announced, and I was like, man, I I love this fucking album. I really want to go. And uh, and so at this point, I was 16, because this was in 1994, um, and of course, I, I begged my parents, and you know, it was arranged that that my friend Kevin's parents would be driving us to the show. And so, uh, I, I guess reluctantly, my parents agreed to let me go to this concert. And so, I went and bought my ticket. It was $13 plus a $2.50 service charge. Doesn't that sound nice, folks? So, uh, total $15.50 to go to my first show, Tool, at a place called The Terrace, which no longer exists here in Austin, Texas. And they uh, announced the bands that would be playing with them. The supporting act directly before Tool would be the Flaming Lips, 
who were a band that I kind of knew because they had a hit off of their transmissions from the Satellite Heart album uh, called She Don't Use Jelly. So I kind of knew them, but I wasn't really big into them. And uh, But the band playing before the Flaming Lips was a band called Failure. And that year, Failure's second album, which is called Magnified, had come out. And me and my friends were all over that fucking album. It It's, once again, just like the Tool album. It's an album that holds up today. It is really fucking good. So I was doubly excited about this show because I was just getting into Failure. I totally love this Tool album. Let's fucking do it. And so the date of the show arrives. Friday, April 22nd, 1994. I uh, ride to the show, like I said, with my friend Kevin's parents. Uh, My friend Sean also came along, um, who will actually be included in the next story I tell as well. And so we went to the show, and we got there, from what I remember, really fucking early. I'm not sure why, maybe just to hang out for a while, because that's what you did when you were 16. You hung out, and you talked, and shit. And so I remember we got there, and there wasn't really anybody there yet. So we were kind of wandering around, and we heard some voices and activity uh, going on, I believe, like on the side of the venue. And so we walked over, and lo and behold... Is that a term? Lo and behold? What does that even mean? I don't know, but I use it. Isn't it funny how many terms we use that we don't really actually know where they came from, but we use it anyway? So uh, we get over there, and uh, we notice that Tool is just hanging out there on the side of the of the venue. And uh, so, of course, we go, well, shit, let's go over and, and meet the band and get autographs and shit. And so we did. We went over, and from what I remember, the dude's were very nice. I had them all sign the back of my ticket, um, and uh, Maynard was pretty much as weird as you would expect. I I remember I came up to him with my ticket and handed him a pin, and he was very concerned and said, uh, where did you get this pin? And I said, "I, uh, I borrowed it from that guy over there. And he looked at me very sternly and said, make sure you give it back to him. And then he signed my ticket with the word moo. And then that that was it. That's my that's my uh, that's my Maynard James Keenan autograph. It just says Moo. Uh, so hey, first show off to a pretty fucking great start. We were there early. We met the band. We were pretty much first in line when the doors opened and went straight up to the front because we wanted to be up front to see failure. And at that point, the the nervous Stephen started to kick in because people started to show up. I I was I, have, I remember I had my back to the barricade and I was chatting with my friends and just looking around the venue, just sort of scoping everything out. Do I see anything dangerous yet? Do I see anything that's making me nervous? Not really. I, I start seeing some burly dudes show up and some dudes that that look like they might be you know tough guys or whatever. But for the most part, nothing was throwing up any red flags. And then all of a sudden. I see this really weird looking guy with really scraggly hair walking through covered in what looks like spikes. Like his body, his his whole torso area is just covered in spikes. And I'm like, "What the fuck? That's fucking hardcore. Is that that's like one of these dudes that's just going to try to fuck people up in the pit." All right. All right. I need to avoid the spike guy. And so I kept that in mind. Avoid the spike guy. And so, anyway, 
failure goes on and they are fucking great. And it's my first experience seeing a, 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 a band on a big stage. And, and yeah, and I was loving it. It was great. So far, so good. And so after failure finishes, uh, me and my friends decide to go sit off to the side, mostly because we're really not that interested in the Flaming Lips. And so um, we're just sort of sitting there um, hanging out, because what do you do? You're too young to drink, and we probably didn't have any money for merch, or at least I fucking didn't. And so we're just sitting there, and then um, Flaming Lips come onto the stage. And uh, guess who walks out onto the stage? The Spike guy. The Spike guy is Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips. The Spikes are actually Christmas lights. He he turns them on and he lights up like a fucking Christmas tree. So obviously I, I relax a little bit because I'm no longer worried about the Spike guy. And so uh, Flaming Lips play, you know, they blow bubbles in the air. They didn't have quite the, the giant show that they have now, but they still put on a pretty out there kind of show. And they were good. They didn't really win me over. I got into the Flaming Lips years later, but at that point, it just wasn't my thing. And so once the Flaming Lips finish, we all try to make our way as close to the front of the stage as we can for Tool. And we end up on the front right, well, my right, so is that stage left? I don't know. Um, so anyway, my my right, um, I'm on kind of the front of the stage, and we start waiting for Tool. And of course, once again, I'm looking around. I'm scanning the crowd. Is there anything crazy looking? Now, this part, there's a few things here that I don't know if I had some sort of weird psychosis thing going on and my fears were manifesting themselves or if all of these things actually happened. It seems very clear to me, but this was a long time ago. So the first thing that I noticed is I start seeing dudes kind of in the middle where you would think the pit would be who were holding metal rods, like metal poles, maybe two or three dudes, but they were all holding, I guess, what you maybe could compare to like the the metal leg of a chair or something. So right away, I was like, fuck, okay, well, this this doesn't look good. And so I, I tried my best just to not pay attention and maybe they'll stay back behind me and maybe I'll be fine. Um, and then right before Tool goes on, there's this guy standing behind me who probably is about two feet taller than me, big dude. And um, in front of us, because we're kind of close to the barricade, the, uh, the, the security guard guys start to like get their positions and stuff. And I look back at one point to this guy behind me and he's like smiling at me. Not, not like a nice smile, like a, you're a little piece of shit and I'm going to, fuck you up kind of smile. You know what I'm saying? But once again, maybe it wasn't that kind of smile. But all I know is that what happened next was he taps me on my shoulder and I turn around and I say, uh, yeah? And he points at the security guard and he says, you see that guy? And I go, uh, yeah? And he goes, I want you to take him out. And I say, excuse me? And he looks at me and says, you take him out or we're going to go round and round. Which, in hindsight, is a pretty fucking funny line. But at the time, I quickly translated that to, I'm supposed to fight a security guard, or I have to fight this guy? 
this was quickly becoming my nightmare. And and I didn't really know what to do. So I, I sort of uh, nodded to him and then turned around and then Tool came on. And they began with the song Cold and Ugly from their EP entitled Opiate. And in the fucking song, Maynard James Keenan yells, you're scared as hell! And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, I am. I'm not enjoying this show at all. They, From what I remember, they were fucking great. But all I was doing during the first song or two was figuring out how the fuck do I get out of this? And so I think probably in between the first and second song, it may have been that early, I turn around to the guy and give him a motion like, I'm going to go take care of this. I'll be, I'll be right back. And so I, I quickly escape and go around the crowd all the way to the back and then sort of look around for, okay, well, where can I go now? Didn't even tell my friends where I was going. I just fucking took off. And so once I get to the back of the crowd, you start to see the sort of more friendly looking people who are not there to mosh. And I see a, a, a small group of, uh, of long hairs. We, 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 in, in, in Texas, we got called long hairs a lot because we all obviously had long hair. So, you know, metal dudes. I see those guys and I'm like, you know what? Okay, I feel like I'm going to be safe here. So I get into the crowd a little bit further and just sort of stand next to these sort of friendly looking metal dudes. And that's where I spend the rest of the show. And if you were to ask me to describe details about what went on during the Tool show, I I probably wouldn't be able to tell you much because, sure, I watched the show, but for the most part, I was craning my neck, looking everywhere I fucking could to make sure that this weird dude wasn't going to come find me and kick my ass. So it ended up being a pretty shitty experience for me. And so once Tool finished, I realized that, okay, I'm just going to sort of stay where I am and then you know, I'll, I'll look for my friends. And eventually they ended up finding me and I told them what had happened. And if you remember earlier, I, I had referred to these gentlemen who were holding metal poles. So I I didn't see them again, but when the crowd was, was leaving and me and my friends were sort of just hanging out in the venue, watching everybody leave, I'm once again, this couldn't just be shit inside my brain, but in my memory, as people started to clear out, you could clearly see blood all over the floor, not everywhere, but in little areas. And I'm just like, holy shit, did were there really dudes with metal poles just hitting people in the fucking pit? What how can this kind of shit just go on at a show? Now, the answer to that question is it probably didn't. It was probably some poor guy trying to crowd surf who fell and hit his head on the ground. Hopefully he was okay, but I don't know. It, knowing what I know now about shows, I, I don't think that people would have just allowed people with metal poles to beat the shit out of everybody. But at the time, I had no, I had nothing to compare that show to, and unfortunately, it led to quite a few years of me being super nervous every time I went to a show. And honestly, even today, as a 41, almost 42-year-old man, whenever I do go to a show, there is a very small part of me that's just sort of waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder and tell me that we're going to go round and round. So now, let's skip forward one year. 
And now let me tell you the story of the first show that I ever played in my first band. So I did a podcast episode uh, last year at some point that's called The Creator and the Fanatic. And in that podcast, I talk about how I used to write and record my own songs in my bedroom. And for Christmas of 1994, my friend Sean, who I referred to in the last story, uh, he got a drum kit for Christmas, a pretty shitty secondhand drum kit. And so very quickly, I was like, oh, let, let's start a band. He was already in a band called Entropy, who were a uh, metal band, um, kind of along the lines of the more groovy Sepultura type stuff, I guess. And I thought they were fucking great. And he was probably still is a fantastic guitar player. Uh, but he was one of those dudes that was like, I'm gonna play drums too. And so I'm like, great, let's start a band and play my songs. And so soon after that, we recruited a guy named Jesse from my high school to play bass guitar, and my first band called More was formed. More was the name I would use when I would make my uh, music by myself, so I just decided, well, shit, it's my first band, let's just call it More, because we're going to be playing the fucking songs I'm writing anyway. And so, yeah, so in uh, January of 1995, we quickly get the band together and start practicing in uh, Jesse's garage. And the music that I was writing at that point could easily be described as kind of a mishmash of grunge and pop punk, because that's kind of what was going on at the time. A lot of the stuff that we were listening to, we were getting into the punk scene a little bit, and I, for damn sure, wasn't good enough to actually write and perform any actual metal. So uh, I just sort of did what came naturally to me as a novice songwriter and guitar player and vocalist and we quickly put together like a five or six song set and once we had that together I was like well shit I want to play a fucking show and I really had no idea how to get my band shows so I just decided you know what I'm, I'm gonna just put on the show myself my birthday was coming up in March and so I just used it as an excuse to throw a party at my house and have a show and of course, like I said before, my parents were very iffy about all of this sort of rock and roll shit, but they warmed to it a little bit and agreed to let me have a birthday party with bands playing at our house. And I explained to them very clearly, look, once people start getting here, you stay in your fucking bedroom. I didn't say fucking, but you know what I mean. I, I said, stay in your bedroom. Don't come out. You're going to make me look really fucking uncool. And so anyway, I, I put together this show that happened on Saturday, March 4th, 1995. And I got the band Entropy, which was Sean's other band, to uh, headline the quote unquote show. And so I was like, fucking great. I get to play my first show with my new band. And this other band that I totally dig is also going to play this is great. Let's invite all our friends. And we did. We 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 made these little flyers. And if I remember right, I think my friend Kevin made some sort of weird drawing that I don't even know what it was, but I just said, "Hey, can I can I have that?" And I just stuck it in the middle of a piece of paper and wrote the details of the the show on it and photocopied it and passed it out to everybody. And so, skip forward to Saturday, March 4th, 1995. 
My parents were very kindly already back in their bedroom with the door closed to leave me the fuck alone. And we had set up our gear in uh, my one-car garage. The plan was the band is set up in the little garage with the garage door open, and then on the carport area, the crowd, <laughs> the, the people would, uh, would mosh it up, you know, or what have you. And so uh, friends started to show up, and we were scheduled to start at 7 o'clock. And prior to that, we may have been, you know, testing my amp or the drums and, you know, making sure we sounded okay, but we had not started actually playing yet. And all of a sudden, a police car drives slowly by and then kind of pulls over in front of my house. And cop gets out, comes over, and of course he asks, where, where are the parents? So I go, fuck. <laughs> what already we're getting our shit shut down. And so I went back to the bedroom, knocked on my parents' door and opened it slowly and said, uh, there's a, a cop outside. So any, any chance you coming and talking to them? And of course my dad very kindly came out and talked to the cop and explained that, Hey, this is my son's birthday. We're going to be playing, you know, probably until about 10 or whatever. Uh, and then that's it. We're shutting it down. We, we've already gone around and let a lot of the neighbors right next to us know what's going on. So we got this taken care of, right? Now, apparently, one person across the street didn't really think that this was cool at all. But weirdly enough, I watched my dad and the police officer walk across the street knock on their door, briefly chat with whoever opened the door, and then walk back. And my dad says, all right, we're all good. I, I don't know what was said. I don't know how my dad convinced this cop to, to let us continue to play, but that's probably one of the coolest things my dad ever did. I, I haven't had the greatest relationship with my dad, but that was one of those times where I'm like, all right, th this, this is what it's like to have that kind of dad where you're like, yeah. See, that's right. My dad took care of this shit. So anyway, I'm pretty sure that right after that, we decided to just start playing and get the shit over with. And so I played the first show with my first band to a small crowd of, of people that I knew. And it was a fucking blast. I, I remember it just feeling exhilarated and so excited. And, and especially when you would play songs that you had written and certain parts would connect with people and you would see them moving or nodding their head or even starting a tiny little mosh pit. It, it was it was great. I mean, even, even though I was playing through this really shitty PV keyboard amp and my guitar sounded like ass, and I'm pretty sure that Sean's drums were absolutely not tuned, um, Jesse was probably the only one that sounded really good because he had a pretty good bass amp and he, out of all of us, seemed like he knew what he was doing the most. But anyway, it was still so great and and the feeling that i got from that day is what carried me through playing with various bands for the next 25 years or so um and so yeah it was it was pretty much what i had hoped for for a first show and as soon as we finished we swapped everything out and entropy loaded in their stuff and tuned up and and got ready to go and at this point there was a good crowd 
I don't know, 30 to 40 people maybe. And Entropy at that point, I guess from just being around a little bit at our school, you know, we knew the songs and, and, you know, they had fans. They had a handful of fans. And so as they were beginning to play, everyone sort of moves up slightly into the garage. So right, right to where maybe there's like three or four feet of garage walls around the people that are standing in there. And Entropy burst into their set. And, and like I said, I was a big fan of this band, and I honestly thought they were really good for a high school metal band. And very quickly, there is a actual mosh pit going on with kids bumping into kids and me getting tousled around. And and it was a full-on you know rock show that was happening. And I'm like, oh, this is... This is fucking great. This is my party. We're having a fucking rock show. And then after one or two songs, I think uh, a friend of mine comes over and points to one of the walls in the garage. And there's a hole. Not, Not a hole all the way through to the other side, but it's crumbled in. And I'm like, oh, shit. And apparently what had happened is during this crazy mosh pit, somebody had been pushed and literally just fell right into this old termite-ridden garage wall. And, of course, it just crumbled. And so, once again, I'm like, shit, I gotta go back to the bedroom and knock on the door again. And so, I went back, slowly opened the door. Uh, guys... There's been a little bit of an accident in the garage. You want to come take a look at this? So my dad very calmly comes outside. The crowd kind of disperses a little bit, and he takes a look at the wall. And I don't really remember what he said, but I just remember him sort of being like, yeah, whatever, just just continue with your with your playing. Just try to be a little bit more calm. And he heads back to the bedroom. And I'm like, holy fuck. I mean, at this point in my life, I, you could have told me, oh, we've replaced your dad with a different person just for tonight. And I would have said, yeah, clearly. And so unfortunately, I had to be the guy that gets on the microphone and says, hey, I need everybody to back up and everybody to chill out and let's just finish this rock show in a calm, orderly manner. And, you know, it was still pretty fucking cool. Entropy put on a great show. And overall, it ended up being a way better night than I had expected. Way more memorable. More continued as a band for another, like, seven or eight months, I think. And due to, quote-unquote, internal issues, we we just we parted ways. And thus began the first of many uh, disbandings that, <laughs> that I would go through. But you know what? Doesn't fucking matter. At this point in my life, all of the experiences that I had playing in bands, even though none of them actually really went anywhere, and for the most part, have all become largely forgotten, they are all experiences that have created the person that you're listening to now. Um, I don't really think, and I, I, I think I touched on this in the podcast episode I referred to earlier, the creator and the fanatic, I don't think that I would have the perspective and the insight on on the music that I talk about if I hadn't gone through all of my musical ups and downs. 
And I feel like that's probably the same for a lot of you out there that have similar stories. And so thank you for listening to mine. That's it for this episode of Old Head. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, I want each and every one of you to continue keeping rock and metal alive, or we're going to go round and round. See you next time.